Howdy. Welcome to Diseases and Diagnoses, a podcast by Texas A&M Veterinary Medical Diagnostic Laboratory that explores the diseases affecting animal and human health and the diagnostic tests that can detect them. I'm Dr. Brandon Dominguez. Today, we have Dr. Malcolm Delovio. He's a lead scientist here at TVMDL, though really, Malcolm, you're our endocrinologist. You've specialized in determining how all of the hormones work in the body, correct? Correct. Uh, I received my doctorate from the Texas A&M Animal Science Department, Physiology Reproduction. So I was well instructed as far as reproduction goes, but we also um, had a lot of input or information on um, nutrition, um, stress management, and I also did take some comparative endocrinology courses as well. So yeah, I feel pretty well versed in endocrinology. (laughs) For those who have been listening to our podcast, we're changing things up a little bit today. Um, For starters, we're going to focus on some of our small animal testing. And we also don't have an infectious disease pathogen to discuss. Rather, we're going to consider thyroid disease, which is caused by an imbalance of the thyroid hormone, right? Correct. Um, So a generalization, thyroid disease, a condition where hormonal output by the thyroid gland falls outside the estimated population reference intervals, which um, we actually create here at the lab. Um, you have, can have, and there will be caveats to that, but we'll discuss those as we go along. Two major conditions are going to be hypothyroidism and hyperthyroidism. And um, those can even be subdivided into um, a primary situation where you have something going on at the thyroid gland itself a secondary situation, which is more, much more rare, where you have a, a situation at the pituitary gland and TSH production. And then even more rare is a tertiary, which is at the hypothalamus level and um, TRH production. Now, what species does thyroid disease typically affect? You know, if you have thyroid gland or thyroid tissue, it can become damaged, um, it can be diseased. So I think if you have it, <laughs> you know, it could fail. Uh, all right. Uh, how, how common is thyroid disease? So um, it depends on the species. For hypothyroidism, um, canines, you know, they're, they, they are very bad with hypothyroidism. But on the opposite end of hyperthyroidism, um, we have our cats. So those are our two main offenders. What kind of signs do, do we see with thyroid disease? Why do people suspect their, their animal might be having a bad thyroid? Sure. Well, um, for hypothyroidism, um, you're going to see it mainly in the coat, right? You're going to have poor coat quality, possible hair loss as well. Um, it'll also be accompanied possibly with lethargy, obesity, as well as cold intolerance. Um, when you get to the hyperthyroid um, disease, you're looking more at... Um, hyperactive situation, right? Totally opposite of hypothyroid. So you're going to have a lot of activity, um, voracious appetite, but losing weight. You know, we get that all the time on our submittals, um, possibly also um, increased heart rate. And why why is this disease important? Well, um, you know, every cell in the body uses thyroid hormone. Um, T3 and T4 have a hydrophobic nature. So they cross easily into the cell nucleus where um, they will up or down regulate gene expression with T3 being the most potent. So it, it has an effect on a lot of the body systems and what, what goes on within our bodies. 
Oh, yes. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it can affect reproduction. Um, yeah, it can affect many, many things, many parts of the body. Okay. And do we only test sick animals for thyroid disease? Right. So um, along with sick animals, um, reduction in thyroid production can happen with um, actually just general aging. So not only should it be tested in sick animals, of course, but when you have um, animals that are reaching probably geriatric middle age stage, you might want to start adding that to your annual um, recommendations. Um, then, of course, if um, thyroid disease has been um, diagnosed and then treatment, then you also want to do follow up uh, measurements of your thyroid level to see how your treatment is progressing. Uh, how can we test for thyroid disease? Um, well, we have six different tests that we perform here at TVMDL. Um, our main ones are going to be T3, T4, free T4, and TSH. Um, these are performed on an automated analyzer. Um, we also um, perform thyroglobulin autoantibodies. This is an ELISA-based um, assay. And then we also perform free T4 by equilibrium dialysis. Um, this differs from regular free T4 in that the dialysis chamber has two sides separated by a membrane. So we will let that sit overnight and that membrane will basically weed out any bigger molecules that might interfere in the assay. And then once um, that dialysis is done overnight, we put it on a radioimmunoassay for the next day. So um, those are six tests that we can use to help diagnose thyroid disease. How do we determine which test we should use? Um, I think it depends on the situation. You know, most times um, if you're just doing regular annual checkups, you can probably get away with a T4 or we have also set up panels. Um, for cats, uh, our, we have one cat panel, which consists of a T3, a T4, and free T4 by equilibrium dialysis. But for canines, we've created two. We have a basic thyroid panel, which is just a T4, free T4, and TSH, which would be great for an annual situation. But then we have a more comprehensive panel, which we add a little bit more, where it's a T3, a T4, a free T4 by dialysis, a TSH, and TGAA. So it gets a little bit uh, more information to help diagnose if you are suspecting thyroid disease. And what, what samples can we use for each test? Each test has a little variation of what samples it can use. So most times people are submitting panels. So I'll do least common denominator in that serum will work for all these tests. That serum, when you draw it, make sure it's not um, hemolyzed. And then also, as far as storage of that serum, as long as you can get it to us within five and tested within five days, it can be refrigerated. Um, if you have to go a little bit longer than five days, it can last up to a month frozen. That's, that's great to know. If we get our test results back, what does it mean if we have a value that's a little higher or a little lower than the, the normal range? Right. So I think it's a little bit more straightforward in cats with hyperthyroidism. I think where the challenges come in are with dogs and hypothyroidism. And what do I mean by that? Well, with um, hypothyroidism in dogs, you know, you could have just a normal daily variation, especially if your T4 or free T4 levels just a little bit under or a little bit over. Um, you could also have a euthyroid situation where um, you have something else going on, but that is affecting the thyroid output, basically decreasing it. Um, then you also have possible medications that the dog is giving, um, prednisone, 
over long term can decrease thyroid function. And of course, age also, um, you can um, see a decrease in thyroid function. Now, where specifically things come in for dogs is um, you have to look at breeds as well. A lot of sight hounds will naturally have lower thyroid function than other breeds. Um, you also want to be aware of thyroglobulin autoantibodies. These guys can actually cross-react in the assay, um, T4, free T4 assay, to give you a false elevation of level. So these are the caveats I was referring to earlier, that when you have a situation where the results are outside, you have to kind of take a look at the whole picture, especially if you're just doing a T4. If you do have something outside and it's just a T4, definitely would recommend further testing into a like the complete thyroid panel, just to make sure. So that kind of gets into our, some of the follow-up testing. And, and then if there is a problem with hypothyroidism or hyperthyroidism and treatments initiated, we, we recommend that there's some retesting over a period of time too, do we not? Oh, yes, definitely. Um, especially, you know, if you have a situation where you have diagnosed hypothyroidism, you're going to put that individual on supplementation. So you want to make sure that supplementation is going well. So you'll want to do follow-up T4 testing once you start supplementation. Um, same thing is opposite for um, cats or a hyperthyroided um, case. Um, you have different treatments for hyperthyroidism. So depending on what you're doing would dictate how often you are going to test or run a T4 level, you know, surgery versus um, methamazole um, treatment. The other thing you also want to keep in mind is, let's say you have a situation where you have decreased thyroid function. Well, if you have a, another ailment going on, and then you suspect you just might be having euthyroid, well, once you correct that other ailment, I would definitely recommend testing for thyroid to see if that thyroid has rebounded from that euthyroid situation. It can be somewhat complicated to, to manage and take care of thyroid disease or suspected thyroid disease, even, even through the treatment process, right? Correct. And I think that's why it's so important to look at the whole picture when looking at thyroid disease instead of just the little, you know, when you draw blood for a thyroid test, all you're really doing is taking a quick snapshot of what is happening, you know, in the system at that time of blood draw. Um, it would be wonderful if we could create a, like we do for ACTH stimulation, um, do the same and have a TSH that we can inject and see how the thyroid responds to that bolus of TSH. Um, but I think human TSH is too, too expensive right now, and uh, we don't have other options. And bovine 2 at TSH used to be offered as a, you know, stimulatory bolus, but, um, you know, with mad cow disease and all these other things that went off and can't be used anymore for that situation. So we've talked about the disease and we, we've talked about the testing. I mean, we'd like to give our, our listeners a good best practice. If they're going to submit a sample for testing, what, what can they do to make sure they get the best result when they submit? Sure. Um, okay. First comes to actual obtaining of the sample. So as you're drawing, um, you know, make sure you get a nice, clean, non-hemolyzed sample. Um, the second would be the storage of that sample, which we talked about earlier. Um, you know, spin it down after clotting, um, put that serum into a, another 
preferably a red top tube. Um, we have some that will take the serum and pour it into a green top or a purple top. Well, now you have added the additive that is in that green or purple top to serum. So um, you effectively kind of um, added something that our analyzers won't like. So please put that serum into another red top additive or additive free tube. Other than that, I think the big thing is if you have a dog or an individual um, that is on thyroid supplementation on a BID basis is to draw it four to six hours post pill. I think those would help greatly. Great. Now, help me with, with some of the, the takeaways. You know, really, thyroid disease can affect any animal that has a thyroid gland, though we, right. we see it mostly in, in dogs and cats. Yep. And and it could be that they have too little hormone or too much hormone. And there's some species differences and obviously some treatment differences. And and we'll do thyroid testing on apparently healthy animals plus those that are, are sick and, and those that were monitoring their, their therapy as well. Anything else that you'd like to add on, on thyroid disease? Um, yeah, and uh, just to piggyback on what on how you just left off. Also, you know, I'm going to reiterate: if you have these, if you have a, let's say, a dog breed that you know has a genetic predisposition to hypothyroidism, and you know that includes your English setters, um, Dobermans, um, you know, golden lab retrievers. That might be something you want to add on to your annual a little bit earlier than you would, let's say, a middle-aged to geriatric, just because they have that predisposition for it. That wraps up this episode of Diseases and Diagnoses. If you enjoyed listening to this conversation, share our podcast with a friend or a colleague and leave us a review on Apple or Spotify. If you have any questions about TVMDL, visit our website or give one of our labs a call. Thanks for listening.